Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. We continue our series today into Lies We Believe About God. This is the newest book from author William Paul Young, of course, author of The Shack, which is now also a movie. And in this book, William Paul Young details 28 lies that he says we believe about God. The only problem is is that the vast majority of these lies are actually true. And in yesterday's program or uh, last week's program, the last program to which you listened, uh, we dealt with the lie that um, that hell is separation from God. We talked about that. And, uh, uh, of course, the, the lie that he says you need to get saved. He says that is a lie. Okay, so we're going to move along here, and we're going to talk about a few more lies. I'm not sure if we'll get this done today. If we don't get it done today, we will certainly have this wrapped up by tomorrow, and then we will move on to other things. So here's the next lie that we'll discuss. In his book, it is numbered... 17. So the 17th lie that William Paul Young says we believe is this. The cross was God's idea. The cross was God's idea. He says that is a lie. So if if you were to hear this somewhere, if somebody were to say to you, oh, God never intended the cross. Uh, that was something that God uh, never intended. It was something that man did to Jesus. Man uh, crucified Jesus, but that was never part of God's plan. Um, how would you respond? Well, let's talk about this a little bit. First, let me read to you a quote from William Paul Young out of his book. Uh, forgive me, I don't, in my notes, I forgot to put the page number, but trust me, this is a direct quote. It, chapter 17, whatever page number that is. All right, William Paul Young says this, quote, Who originated the cross? If God did, then we worship a cosmic abuser. God submitted to it. God climbed willingly onto our torture device and met us at the deepest and darkest place of our diabolical imprisonment. And how would we religious people interpret this sacrifice? We would declare that it was God who killed Jesus, slaughtering him as a necessary appeasement for his bloodthirsty need for justice, end quote. Okay, breathe deeply. I am, um, yeah, I, I consider myself to be a fairly, fairly laid back kind of guy, pretty easygoing, but I tell you what, of all the things that were, that have been blasphemous in this book up until this point, um, Bad enough, yeah. But this statement, he, he when he says, we would declare, speaking of this as a lie, we would declare that it was God who killed Jesus, slaughtering him as a necessary appeasement for his bloodthirsty need for justice. I tell you, friends, I just as I sit here right now, the cackles on the back of my neck 
are raised and I, I, mm, I, I just, I don't know if I were to run into William Paul Young on the street somewhere, I tell you, I, w- I would have a very hard time keeping my composure simply because of this statement. This is arrogance in the extreme. He is, he is calling God bloodthirsty. He's calling God bloodthirsty. All right, let's walk through this a little bit, shall we? Well, let's answer his question. First uh, phrase of this quote that I read to you, who originated the, the cross? Well, he obviously doesn't know anything about God's sovereign decree. Yes, it was man, technically, that invented crucifixion, but man only invented crucifixion because it was within God's sovereign decree that he do so. God is not the author of sin, but in his sovereign decree, he has decreed it that he, and he will use it ultimately for his glory, even though he is not the author of it. That's anathema. But it is within his purview. It is within his sovereign decree that it happened. In fact, uh, if you would like, uh, proof, uh, let's go to Isaiah 53. Verse 10. Isaiah 53, of course, that's the chapter that all the prosperity preachers quote. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. When with his stripes we are healed. Uh, that chapter. But if you go down a few more verses, it says this in, in verse 10. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet, speaking of Christ, this is a messianic prophecy, keep in mind. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him putting him to grief. It pleased the Lord to do this. It pleased him. So, William Paul Young, whose idea was it? Well, it was God's idea. It was God's idea. And if you don't like it, then you're going to have to take it up with God. I didn't write this. God did. You see, this is why I say William Paul Young hates the God of the Bible. False teachers hate God. William Paul Young is absolutely a false teacher. William Paul Young hates God. Benny Hinn hates God. Joel Osteen, even though he smiles all the time, he hates God. He hates the God of the Bible. These people, false teachers, are are all idolaters. They have created a God and fashioned a God after their own image. Rather than bending their knee and submitting to the God of the Bible as he has revealed himself to be. They don't like that God. They hate him. So they create a, an idol. They create a, a pagan God. And as William Paul Young says, he says, if you want to know what God is like, look in the mirror. Well, that's exactly what he's done. It pleased the Lord to crush Christ. It pleased the Lord to put him to grief. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. I love this passage. I, I, I love this passage. Acts chapter 2, 22 through 23. This is Peter's sermon, right? Peter, uh, this is uh, his his first uh, lengthy recorded sermon that we have. He stood up. This was uh, right after the, uh, the uh, events at Pentecost. He says this, quote, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over, watch this, delivered over 
by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Boy, there is so much in that. But notice who planned the crucifixion. God did. Jesus Christ, the God-man, was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Dear friends, the crucifixion was not God's plan B. Okay, God is not responding to changing circumstances on the ground. He wasn't reacting to anything. It's not like he created the world and then Adam and Eve fell and he put his anthropomorphic hand on his anthropomorphic forehead and said, oh my goodness, I I was not planning on this. What am, what am I going to do? And so God had to scramble to come up with this plan and it was, no, that that is that is not... That is, that is not the God of the Bible. Jesus, it was God's plan to crucify Christ, to offer uh, Christ's sovereign decree to offer himself as a sacrifice. When was this plan? From eternity past. Millions and millions and trillions and billions and, and I guess billions come first, then trillions, but from eternity past. Years. I mean, well, you can't even you can't even put it in terms of years because it was before time. From eternity past, this was God's plan. It's always been God's plan. This is not Plan B. This is not God going back to the drawing board. And notice too. Notice what Peter says: delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Now, foreknowledge. That's an interesting word. This is not as the Arminians would have you to believe. This is the foreknowledge of God. Is not God just looking down through the corridors of time to discover who would and would not choose Him? That's not foreknowledge. It's this. It, 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 this word uh, prognosco that that means that God set His affections upon a group of people, the elect from eternity past, and God did this. This was planned. It was decreed. God's sovereign decree from eternity past. So, in in here, Peter applies this this word prognosco applies it to the sacrifice of Christ. So it's the same word. So we're going to say, well, God just God just looked down through the corridors of time and saw. Oh my goodness, look at that! Jesus is going to be crucified. Well, what do you know? No. This is God is not discovering anything. This was God's predetermined plan. It pleased the Lord to do this. He planned it. But notice Peter also says, right on the heels of that, predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, right on the heels of that, he says, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So there you have it, dear friends. This is This is one of the one of the number of places in the Bible where you see the sovereignty of God right beside the responsibility of man. Who nailed Jesus to a cross? Men did. Who nailed Jesus to a cross? God did. It was God's predetermined plan. Both are true. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Both of these things are true. The Bible teaches both. 
how do we understand this? How can we make sense of this? Well, we can't fully understand it with our finite minds. We just believe it to be true because that's the way Scripture teaches. Yes, God is sovereign in salvation. Yes, he has an elect people. Yes, he has he has, he has lavished his foreknowledge and his affections on the elect, and they will be saved. And yes, man is responsible. Yes, it is man's responsibility to repent. Both of these things are true. Both of them are true. All right, so getting back to this, William Paul Young obviously hates what we call the doctrine of propitiation. Propitiation, notice his statement here. I'll read it again, the one that just, ugh. He says, um, and how would we religious people interpret this sacrifice, referring to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? How would we interpret it? We would declare that it was God who killed Jesus. Well, it was. We just saw that. Slaughtering him as a necessary appeasement for his bloodthirsting need of just, for justice. He he turns God, he obviously hates God. He turns God into this maniacal monster. He is the one who is a monster. But he hates this doctrine of uh, what we call penal substitutionary atonement. Penal means punitive uh, punishment that Jesus was our substitute on the cross and he took the wrath of God. He bore the wrath of God on our behalf. He satisfied God's wrath on our behalf. He bore it so that we would not have to. And this doctrine absolutely infuriates William Paul Young. He hates it. But let's look at this term. Uh, propitiation. This is the word that we give to uh, the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, and it is a biblical word. Okay, in the Greek, this word propitiation in the Greek is pronounced elasmos, elasmos, and the word elasmos refers to appeasement or satisfaction. And so, the sacrifice of of Christ appeased God's wrath; it satisfied God's wrath, and it reconciled us to Him. Okay, now this is biblical. This is used in the scriptures, and I'll give you the verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 says this. Therefore, he, referring to Christ, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, elasmas, for the sins of the people. How could it be more clear? The writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, states very clearly that Jesus Christ was the propitiation. He was the was the wrath-removing sacrifice, the wrath-satisfying sacrifice for the sins of the people. William Paul Young may hate it, but it is biblical. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Also, Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 25. Romans 3, 24 through 25 says this, Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Elasmas, propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness 
because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. Again, how could it possibly be more clear? The Apostle Paul says in Romans 3 that Jesus was given as, as a gift. He is, he, is, he is a gift to us, yes, and we are a gift to him. We are a love gift from God the Father to God the Son. And redemption comes through Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, verse 25, God displayed publicly. Again, that goes that harkens back to Acts chapter 2, right? Peter's sermon. Jesus was crucified by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Here we see it in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God displayed publicly. Jesus was displayed publicly by God as a propitiation, as a as an elasmos, a wrath-removing sacrifice in his blood through faith. This was done to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. Dear friends, if you take away the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement, if you take away the fact that Christ was crucified on the cross as a wrath-removing sacrifice, then you have done away with the gospel. If you do away with that, you have no gospel. And it's it's interesting to me, as I watch William Paul Young, in fact, I just read a uh, uh, an, an article by um, Chuck, ne- I think his name's Needy, anyway, some, some Baptist pastor, a cooperative Baptist fellowship, not Southern Baptist, but cooperative Baptist fellowship, this kind of the, they call themselves moderates. Moderates, just so you know, that's a code word for liberal. But the CBF broke away from the SBC 25 years ago because they thought the Southern Baptist Convention was just too stodgy and conservative. So uh, this is a, a cooperative Baptist fellowship pastor, and he wrote an entire article trashing this doctrine, substitutionary atonement, penal substitutionary atonement. He trashes the cross as being some... Uh, uh, wrath-removing sacrifice. He said, that's not what the cross is about. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is exactly what the cross is about. And I, I, I'm almost amused as I watch people like this pastor, the CBF pastor, and William Paul Young. If they, they don't like this penal substitutionary atonement, and so they've got to come up with some other reason that Jesus had to die on the cross, some other reason for it. And they can't come up with one. They they cannot come up with one. When they try to, it is the most nonsensical, rambling, uh, just a bunch of wordy mush. They say nothing. It's it's something like, oh well, Jesus, Jesus took all of the anger of the world, all of the all of uh, people's anger, and and uh, he bore it. But they never say why that's necessary. Or why it would be they 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 they're completely incoherent, completely. The gospel only makes sense if God's wrath against sin had to be satisfied. And dear friends, it had to be satisfied. Just like a good judge, if we were to see a judge that let a murderer or a rapist or a um, you know just think of the the, the worst kind of crime someone who harms a child, if a judge were to let a person like that, a guy like that, off the hook scot-free, would we say that that is a good judge? No. 
Absolutely not. That would be a terrible, terrible judge. A good judge must punish crime. If he doesn't punish crime, he's not a good judge. He's a terrible judge and should get, stop being a judge and go you know, flip burgers at McDonald's or something. Not to disparage McDonald's workers, but you know what I mean. There's there's nobility in work, whatever your work is. But that's a, a man who has that viewpoint, it's, he's not qualified to be a judge. Be a terrible judge. God is the ultimate good judge. And because he is good, because of his goodness, his goodness demands justice. His goodness demands justice. And when we sin, we sin against the God who is thrice holy, 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 holy. He is eternal. And because we have sinned against the God, the eternal God, then the punishment for that sin is also eternal. The reason these people have this this uh, uh, aversion to penal substitutionary atonement is because they have a very high view of man and they have a very low view of God. But dear friends, make no mistake about it. Christ satisfied God's wrath on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 25. In any man who denies this, who denies that Jesus' sacrifice satisfied God's wrath, who denies that Jesus was the elosmos, the propitiation for our sins. Any person who denies that denies the gospel. And sadly, when death comes, that person will have to pay for his sins and will have to endure the very wrath of God that he denied. Just because you deny something doesn't mean it's not true. All right, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. We will continue this one more program. In our next program, we are going to talk about a couple more of his lies, and then we will put William Paul Young to bed for our purposes and move on to other things. In the next uh, next week, I'm hoping to interview Mike Miller. Mike Miller is a friend of mine, and he is on my board, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview him let you hear from him. I've known him for a number of years, and he's been on some of the most uh, memorable trips I've taken uh, as an evangelist to Uganda, to India, to the Philippines. And I would just like you to hear from him, hear his perspective, and he's going to give us an update on Pastor Bill. It's been a long time since I've mentioned Pastor Bill in this program, but he is a pastor that I met while we were in Uganda. And by God's grace, uh, there's been a, a lot of just really, really amazing fruit, encouraging fruit uh, from Pastor Bill, our trip there. So I'm going to let you, I think this will encourage you as you hear some of these stories from Mike. And then I'm going to start a series on the attributes of God. Now, we did this, I did a series on the attributes of God a couple of years ago. And hard to believe it's been two years, but it has, um, two years ago, but I've added quite a bit to it, and um, I know I have a lot of new listeners now that I did not have two years ago, and so we're going to go through this again. It won't take us nearly as long, because unlike two years ago when I did had one program a week, now I have, of course, one program every day, so I think we'll move through it more quickly. But I want you to have this. I want you to have this series. If you've never done a study on the attributes of God, uh, please do yourself a favor and do so. This will this will be a great, great benefit to you. It certainly was to me in preparing it, so that will be our next series. And then once that is done, I'm going to have all of this stuff, uh, the series on the attributes of God, my interviews with Kosti Hinn, uh, the series on how to hear God's voice, 
cessationism versus continuism, the series that Jim and I did on the shack, uh, this lies we believe about God, and several other series, and uh, a number of my sermons. I'm going to put them all of this stuff on a flash drive, and I have that available for you. All right, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. Until our next time together, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.